in preparation for preaching on forgiveness, I was recommended to listen to some podcasts by Rob Bell on forgiveness, and it was called The Forgiveness Flow. In these podcasts, um, they're really great, and they talk more about um, forgiving um, one another than actually receiving God's forgiveness, with which we're going to focus on tonight. But in the podcasts, he kept on saying, forgiveness is setting someone free and realizing it's you. Forgiveness is setting someone free and realizing it's you. Setting someone free and realizing it's you. I think this is true. I think the forgiveness that God offers uh, each one of us out of his grace and mercy and love is so that each one of us can live free lives so that we don't need to be bound up in guilt and shame, the unforgiveness and not having a close walk with God can actually happen to us. I personally have a turbulent relationship to God's forgiveness. I don't know about you. Sometimes I can't get enough of it. I am just amazed at the love and grace that God pours out to me in his forgiveness. Then other days, I don't really understand why I need forgiven. And then there are the most more common days. I know God is a God of deep forgiveness and grace, but I don't acknowledge it. <coughs> forgiveness is not really about working out a mental list of all the things we could have possibly done wrong and then taking them to God and for him to say, okay, check, 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 check. And forgiveness is also not about a checklist so that we can enter into this wonderful relationship with God. Forgiveness is needed because we are broken people who break things. This could be done in words we say, in thoughts we think, in actions we do. And the depths of the brokenness is even seen in creation itself. I see this brokenness more, most in relationships. I don't know about where you see the brokenness that, that is, happens in our world. But I see it in relationships, relationships that are torn apart, relationships that are clunky, relationships that are maybe filled with lies or deceit. And I also see it in the relationships that we have or that I can talk personally about that I have with God, brokenness that comes between my relationship with God. We often name this brokenness as sin. And forgiveness is entering into the flow which God offers us, entering into this place that we say we, there is brokenness in the world and we acknowledge it, but there is something that changes and we get the opportunity to live free lives. This resonates with me. I live a life wanting to love other people and to follow the ways of Jesus. But often things come in between that and then it just becomes not great. And I need his forgiveness. I need God's forgiveness day after day. And I need to know that life doesn't stop with the things that I do wrong. R.T. Kendall in his book, Totally Forgiving Ourselves, says it is because God loves us, understands us, and knows our deepest woes 
that he plans to bring us into freedom and that this forgiveness will affect the whole of our lives. This is what I'm looking for. This is what God can offer each one of us. And I believe that tonight, as we look into Psalm 51, this is what each one of us can have when we ask God for forgiveness and enter into what we'll call the forgiveness flow. So, Psalm 51. I'm going to go through the psalm, um, taking six verses at a time, and look at what they, they say to us. So, if you do have a Bible, keep it open. Hopefully, I will refer back to it. Um, if I don't, you can tell me at the end and I'll try harder next time. Um, some background to Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is written by David, King David, David of David and Goliath, but Psalm 51 is one of the only Psalms that was written about a particular event and for a particular purpose. The particular event was David's adultery with Bathsheba, and then subsequently going on to get Bathsheba's husband killed, and then running away from this. Then what happened, this is all found in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. Then what happened was God gave Nathan the prophet a story, a parable, to go to David with And Nathan went to David, and David realized that this story was about him. And that he then said, I have done wrong. David said in 2 Samuel 12, 13, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, the Lord forgives you. At the end of this verse, 2 Samuel 12, 13, it says, Nathan went home. I kind of love that because I can imagine that they have this amazing encounter and David's like I have sinned I've done so wrong what have I done Nathan says you're forgiven Nathan goes home and then David's left and I wonder if at this point that's when David started to form Psalm 51 out of this place of complete of complete receiving of God's forgiveness So we have a psalm this evening written in response to a dreadful series of sins. The sins that, I thought this was quite interesting, the sins that David committed in these events covered five of the Ten Commandments. So this is like, he was checking them off. Um, And this was the man who was after God's own heart. This is like David. He was like a great person loving God and then he did all these terrible things. This is a psalm which is expressive and penitent, and I think has lots to show us about God's heart for each one of us. So we're going to look at the first six verses. This forgiveness flow, this forgiveness flow that we enter into to get freedom starts with confession. David is before God and is saying, I have sinned. I've done wrong, I've messed up. Back in 2 Samuel, when David's sin was brought into light, Nathan's response was, you are forgiven and will not die. I don't think many of us would think that what David did, and if God decided, especially when we read the Old Testament, that God decided, you know, strike David down, we wouldn't think, okay, God, you know, it's God, he can do whatever. But God is a God of forgiveness. 
And that's where David starts. David knew that this was God's character. I love actually the way that this psalm starts. If you look at verse one, it says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. What David does is he calls upon the character of God. He says, God, you are merciful. God, you have unfailing love. God, you're great in compassion. Part of what is happening in confessing and acknowledging our sin before God is that we know who we're acknowledging it to. We're not taking our sin to this distant, judge, judging, hateful God that we don't know how he's going to respond. We take our sin, our brokenness, the things we do wrong to a God who is merciful, who is unfailing in love, who has great compassion. And David did this. And there's something about that that just speaks to me. There's something about that that I think, oh, how great is God. In our passage as well, if we move on to verse 3, and there's something else about um, confession that I want to, um, us to think about before we move on to our next point. In verse 3, it says, For I know my transgressions. There is something about this word know that I was reading around. And it was saying that actually in this, there's a, the word is actually that he knew not just in his mind, but he knew in his body. He knew in his being that he'd done something wrong that there was a kind of disconnect in him. And I think that when I look at myself and the things that I hold that I've not asked for forgiveness for, I can feel them. And sometimes that can manifest in me being cranky. Sometimes that can manifest in me being anxious. Sometimes that can manifest in, in pain and headaches or just feeling not right. And that is why this forgiveness, this confessing, this being honest before God about our brokenness is so essential for us to start in our walk to freedom. So we start the forgiveness flow with confession, with admitting and acknowledging that we have done something wrong, that there's brokenness in our life. And then we go on. And our, I want to look at the next six verses and to think about cleansing in that. The podcasts um, I was listening to, there was a story in it. And it was, um, Rob, Rob Bell was saying this story about himself and he said that he um, sent an email to a friend and he, as soon as he pressed the send button, he was like, shouldn't have done it. Should not have sent that email. Should have phoned the friend. The email got sent and his friend then phoned him up. And his friend said, hey, saw the email, you know. And he was like, I'm so sorry, shouldn't have sent the email, not okay, should have picked up the phone. And um, Rob said, oh, I'm like, oh, like really sorry. And his friend said, we'll speak of it no more. They then had an hour-long conversation talking about all sorts of things. And then at the end of the conversation, Rob just said just one last thing, like, about that email, so sorry. And his friend said, we'll speak of it no more. I don't forgive like that. I don't forgive that easily, as Rob Bell's friend. And when I was thinking about it, God doesn't forgive like that. 
God forgives so much wider and deeper than that. God doesn't forget our sins. God chooses not to remember them. The God who created each one of us, who created this world, chooses not to remember our sins. He doesn't forget them. He doesn't say, like, we'll speak of it no more, but actually I might bring it up. He consciously chooses not to remember the things that we have done wrong and we've asked for forgiveness for. In these next six verses, verses 7 to 12, if you're following, um, David wants cleansing. He wants a change to his heart by God. He wants to know that actually God does not remember his sin no more. One commentator said cleansing is about removing the things that hinder or disqualify us. It's a taking away of the sin, a healing of the brokenness. The language that's used in these six verses is really expressive if you look at it. It's really like so, I was thinking about it even as Roderick was speaking, and it just creates pictures in our mind. It's whiter than snow. Um, what else? Hide your face from my sin. Create in me a pure heart. These are words from David's heart of what he wants to happen. This is where the hope of the forgiveness flow comes in. Forgiveness is full of hope. I don't think I sometimes see forgiveness as that. I think I sometimes see forgiveness as like this thing we need to do because we're Christians. We need to ask for forgiveness. But actually, it's full of hope because it's full of an opportunity for us to change. It's full of an opportunity for us to be filled more with God's Spirit, for us to actually know that we are clean, that we are cleansed, and this is the heart of God for us. That we won't stay in a place that we're confessing and confessing and confessing, but we'll know that after the confession, we have a cleansing, that we have a renewal of our heart. So our forgiveness flow. We confess, we acknowledge our sin. We realize that God is a God who renews us, who cleanses us, who takes away what we have done. And then we move on to a commission. Our last six verses. I like the definition of commissioning being bringing something newly produced into working order. Bringing something newly cleansed, made new, into a life with purpose. We all have purpose. As Christians, our purpose is clear to love God and to love others. We all have purpose. What that looks like nine to five and how that works out might look very different and will probably look very different for each one of us. But what we are sure of is that we have purpose. But I think sometimes when we are overwhelmed by guilt and shame of unforgiveness, or I know for me, this happens. I feel really purposeless. I feel quite lost sometimes because I'm consumed with what I have done wrong and not being um, able to receive the purpose that God gives and speaks into my life. The last six verses talk about David being recommissioned. David again speaking of what he is for. It says in verse 13, then I will teach transgressors your ways so the sinners will turn back to you. David knew that he still had a purpose. 
He had confessed. He had received the cleansing that God has to offer, and then he's recommissioned. This is the trait of God throughout the Bible. He doesn't just leave us. He recommissions us. He continues to give us purpose. Recently, I've been thinking about the story of um, Jesus recommissioning Peter or Simon Peter. And in this, I've found, like, I've just been really curious about it recently. Because what I find is something that's personal and wonderful, something that just speaks of who God is. As I was reading it, I had never noticed that when Jesus speaks to Peter, he uses his old name, he uses Simon, and he says, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me, Simon? But it's not the name he gave him. And I've been thinking about this and thinking about it specifically with this commission in mind. Because I think what Jesus was doing there was saying, I know all of you. I know your past. I know who you are when you were following me, when you were doing all these great things. I really believed it. But I also know you like when you were born. I know you when you were broken. I know you when you were doing all of this stuff that was not what you meant to do. And I think there's something in this of the heart of what God says to us. Because God doesn't recommission this perfect person or the person that you want to be. God recommissions us who we are. In the forgiveness of God, he comes to us as real people, as whole people, as the people we can't hide from, our past and our present together. This is who he sees us to be and calls us into this bigger picture, just like he called Simon Peter into it. What our passage is saying in these last verses is God doesn't commission the person you will be tomorrow or the person you think you are or the person that other people think you are. He commissions you right where you are in the midst of your brokenness. He speaks purpose over you. The forgiveness flow is to realize this, is where God takes us to. From confession and cleansing to commission. He wants our lives. David goes on and says, he don't want sacrifice, he wants a broken and contrite heart. Not the lives we think we need to present to God. He wants the real lives. The messy and broken lives. Because what he does is he gives it purpose and pours grace into every crack and every blemish. Over the last few weeks, I've really needed this psalm and I've needed this forgiveness flow. I've needed to confess to a God much higher and wider and fuller than my sin and my brokenness. I've needed to have hope in the deep work of the Spirit, not to just speak of my sin no more, but to cleanse me from it. And I've been touched by the commission of Jesus saying, come follow. Yes, you. Come follow. The one I know your whole being. But this isn't easy. I don't find this easy. I sometimes don't find it easy to trust in this kind of forgiveness, in this kind of radical, grace-filled forgiveness. But what helps is looking at Jesus. 
and seeing someone who was fully God, who was fully whole, being broken for my brokenness, being broken on the cross so that actually my brokenness can be healed, so that the sin that I do again and again and the sin that we do and the sin that this world is involved in can be forgiven, has an opportunity to confess and be cleansed and be recommissioned. And in the rising again, he says no more. It is finished. There is a new way in me. This is the forgiveness flow. Confessing, being cleansed and being recommissioned. Might we enter into this flow? And might an entering in bring us freedom from guilt and shame, freedom to live the lives that Jesus calls us to. Amen.